Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. Hey, Rhonda. Hi, Lori. How are you today? I am great. Every yeah. day it's a podcasting day. It's a great day. You love it. We I do. love it too. Oh my goodness. So fun. So fun. And we are overflowing. Overflowing. Full and overflowing. I feel like we could talk all day about all the I things know. that God is stirring and awakening and oh. I know every, it. I feel like every day I'm reading the scriptures. Oh my goodness. You feel the same. It's like we're just unpacking. It's like revelation scriptures that I've read before that now I feel like they're literally 3D jumping off the state like and slapping me in the face like whoo. How have I not seen it like that before? Oh my gosh. I, like I love happening. that. I love that. It was so funny because I've been getting up really, really early again over the last few weeks. Like COVID, I sort of, you know, it, it a little bit slower pace. So I was getting up more like 7, 7.30, but I started getting up early again. I just felt like this call to awaken in the dark and like pray into the light, you know, so like just beautiful. this transition, like just, I just felt a call to it. And so I've been getting up quite early. That and might be a sticker or a merch oh, shirt. Oh, I just love Maybe. it. Isn't that so cool? That Anyways, is so cool. Um, so every day I sit in the dark and I just like love it, like with this anticipation. And I mean, it's been it's been dark and gloomy. And so it stays dark long. I actually love the dark. It's so cool. Like I just feel like revelations are coming in the dark. I don't know. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's a very cool thing. But on Saturday, I was kind of tired because I'm going to bed really late and I'm getting up really early and I'm tired. Like I, I'm not getting enough sleep. Anyway, Saturday I was praying or Friday night I was praying. I was like, Lord, like, do I need to set my alarm? Like, do I need to get up? You know, like, are you, you know, do you have something for me tomorrow? I was asking the Lord and I was just waiting, kind of listening and I didn't really hear anything. And so I said, okay, Lord, I didn't hear anything. So I'm not going to set my alarm tomorrow. But if you have something for me in the morning, if you have something for me, just wake me up just wake me up. And so I went to bed and, and slept, went to bed kind of late. Sure enough, six o'clock, wake up and I'm, I'm awake. I can't, I can't even go back to sleep if I wanted to. I'm wide awake. I'm like, okay, what do you have for me? Honestly, Rhonda, 1130. I went from six till 1130 in, I don't even know where I went. I went into some space. <laughs> I felt a little bit bad because <laughs> at some point Jay came down and I wasn't done, like the Lord wasn't done and I couldn't talk to him. I didn't want to come out. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was just in the zone with the Lord. He was speaking. I journaled like 20 pages. I was just unpacking oh scripture. Anyways, it was, just, it was just awesome. Like just revealing things, speaking, uh, bringing conviction, bringing just beautiful. And then Jay comes down and I see him and I'm like, oh, I'm not done. So he goes outside <laughs> to take the dog out. I feel like I actually don't know if I should say <laughs> And I sneak upstairs <laughs> because I can't, it's like, I don't want to, I can't disrupt the zone. Do you know what I yeah, mean? And yeah. he's super chatty in the morning. When he comes down, he's like super chatty <laughs> and just wants to talk about like whatever. So I like sneak upstairs, honestly, 1136 in the morning till 1130 in the morning, oh, just gone with the Lord, just studying the scriptures <gasps> and just like unpacking. Oh. oh, anyways. So cool. So anyways, yeah, I agree. The Lord is definitely oh. moving and speaking and 
It's a cool, we're in a cool season. We are. And so speaking of the word of God and what God has for us, you were sharing an amazing portion of scripture about Rachel. And I think this would be a great devotional, kind of a devotional type of podcast. I love that. Yeah. To unpack some scripture and how to just even see deeper into what we read into the word of God. So why don't you just take us through? Okay. I love what you were sharing today about Rachel. This is a little bit of a devotional style podcast. I love that. Okay. So there's a portion of scripture uh, that I was reading in Genesis 35. I'm doing a study right now on do not fear. So I'm actually studying all the scriptures that say do not fear. And like, what is God saying in the midst of do not fear? He says this to us so many times in the Bible. And so what is it that he wants us to understand? So that's a powerful study. Real quick, Laura. So as you're studying, yeah. just for those that are yeah. listening, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. How are you studying? Like you're, how are you studying that? So yeah, so that? basically all, all I'm doing is uh, I pulled all the scriptures in the Bible that say, do not fear um, or fear not, fear not or do not fear. And um, I'm unpacking them one at a time. So I'll take the scripture wherever it's found in the Bible. And I read the entire chapter where that scripture is found. Then I read the study notes of that chapter to understand the context of, you know, what is happening in the whole story. And then depending on where the Lord's sort of guiding that um, and what I feel like he's speaking through that, I I may do some more study. I begin to write about it. Um, And so every day I just write on what I feel God's saying through this message of do not fear. So, And what study notes do you use? I just think this is so encouraging for people to listen to know Mm -hmm. what kind of resources, like what would you use? Yeah. So every day I use, uh, and I'm in it almost every single day, I use the ESV study Bible app on my phone. So I I have it downloaded on my phone. I think it's a free app. Maybe not. It might not be anymore. I think it was when I got it years ago, but um, it's worth it for sure. Even if there is a cost to it, it's phenomenal. So you just look up any scripture or chapter and then you click the button that says study and it has all the study notes on it. And then the other thing I love too, there's a, there's um, if you just Google commentary, it will, you'll get all kinds of different commentaries that will come up. But I love Bible Hub too. Bible Hub has mm, a really multiple, good. it'll show multiple commentaries on an individual scripture or portion of scripture. And I really like that too, because then you can read a whole bunch of theologians' perspectives of unpacking at the same time on one website. So it's called Bible Hub. It's a great one. It often comes up if you Google it anyways. Um, so yeah, so those are a couple of things. That's great. Yeah, Thank you. For sharing that. That's really good. So yeah, so Genesis 35, the key verse uh, that we'll unpack today is, and when her labor was at its hardest, all the ladies who've had babies know what we're talking about here. (laughs) Yep. Um, The midwife said to her, do not fear, you have another son. And so usually what I'll do is I'll unpack, um, I'll see sort of the verses before and after that stand out. And then I'll put that all together in part of what I'm studying. So in this part, what stood out to me was it said, then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Eprath, uh, Rachel went into labor and she had a hard labor. You went into labor and had a hard labor. You had a quick, hard labor. Yeah. Yeah. Quick <laughs> and hard. Was, that was your, uh, that was your experience. So you can probably identify. <laughs> you can find our birthing uh, podcast. Oh, yeah, our birthing we, did. we did our birth story. Hilarious. I had a long, slow labor <laughs> <laughs> with an epidural too. So I wouldn't say it was that hard. Well, it was hard, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah. maybe not as like, you know, you, you think of that coming on fast and hard. Yeah. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, do not fear. You have another son. 
And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Onai, but but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is in Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. And Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent before the Tower of Eder. Remember, um, Rachel was, uh, so Israel is Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. And uh, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. He worked 14 years to earn her. He loved her so, so, so much. And so like, as I was unpacking this, and as I was unpacking the scripture and thinking about this whole story, I remembered that Rachel cried out to her husband, give me children or I die. That's what Mm. she said. Mm -hmm. So interesting in light of what happened in her story that she, she literally said to Jacob, give me children or I die. Powerful words spoken to her husband who truly had no power in and of himself to make this happen, to fulfill this demand. Yes, of course he could do his part, but Rachel was barren. There was nothing he could do to make this happen. And he was so frustrated as Rachel was demanding this from him saying, what am I supposed to do? I I can't make this happen for you. And he loved her so much and he was tormented by this desire um, that, that she had. He wanted to, to give him, give her children with this kind of passionate love. I'm sure there was plenty opportunity Mm. (laughs) for children and plenty attempts but Rachel was barren she could not physically bear children outside of a miracle and she never would and the first thing that struck me in that part of the story was just the power of our words oh yes so Rachel said give me children or I die she had children and she died giving children like giving birth to children that's like Yikes. I know that's pretty dramatic. That's very dramatic, right? Yeah, and the power of our words, they matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scriptures say that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So the words that we speak matters. They do matter. The words we speak over ourselves, the words we dwell on in our mind mm-hmm. about ourselves, about others, the words we speak about other people, how we talk about other people, like it matters. It actually sends life or death out into the world <laughs> over that person, over that situation, over that circumstance. Like there's real power in it. There is power. And the second part of that verse, because that's found in Proverbs eighteen twenty one, is the tongue has a power of life and death. Then it goes on to say, and those who love it, will eat its fruit. So I want you just to picture if you realize that everything you say, you're going to (laughs) eat. It's pretty crazy. Think about that for a second. If you say things and it's words of death or like words, when I say death, criticism, like not of life, like uh, words of death would be like, yeah, everything we think of that's not of the kingdom of God gossip, lying, criticism, judgment, envy, negativity, you're going to eat it and it's going to be rotten fruit or words of life, of hope and life and all the things that God has. If you had two big things of fruit in front of you, one is molded, disgusting, and one is gorgeous, the most beautiful fruit you've ever seen. Of course, which one you're going to pick? Well, the good fruit, but you actually make that with your words you pick it every you day you pick it and you eat what you do so i'm like everything you say you're gonna eat 
And it's so interesting if you think about this idea. Okay, so what happens when we eat? It gets inside of us. Oh, yeah, it's so true. Right? Yeah. What happens when we eat? That food goes inside and it nourishes. It brings nourishment to our body. So what are we putting inside? What kind of nourishment are we putting into our spirit? That's right. With our words. Could you imagine if we just stop and just thought about that before we said something that what I'm about to say, I'm going to have to eat it and it's going to go in me. We, we'd probably be a lot more, we'd probably be way more careful because it says you really yeah. should speak less. The tongue yeah. is yeah. wicked. Yeah. It's an unruly part of our body yeah. is the yeah. tongue. Yeah. You can't even control it. Yeah. But anyways, I just think that's so interesting that it says that the tongue has a power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. <laughs> And man, I don't want to be eating moldy fruit. I've I've had a bite of a moldy fruit before and it's the most disgusting thing. You spit it out. Oh, um, have you ever eaten a moldy strawberry or a blueberry yes. like as you're just and eating? You're like, oh, it tastes yeah. like poison. Poison. Or I've had like an apple and it's had a worm in it from the farm. I've had that happen and half the worm was missing. Uh, that's disgusting. You ate the worm? I didn't know. I oh, ate the worm. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. That's pretty gross. Oh, no. I mean, that's even that, like yeah. with f- like fruit flies on it, you don't actually like to eat anything like that, but no. that is what our words are. Wow. So if we speak words of yeah. life that bring yeah. the fruitfulness of Christ, the yeah. fruit of the spirit, yeah. even the fact we talk about God uses the spiritual gifts, not gifts, but spiritual attributes as fruit. Yes, it is. Of yeah. the spirit. Love, joy, Look peace, at this. patience. That's the fruit, fruit. we are to eat. Right. That it talks about in the New Testament. Right. And that right. is actually the power of right. life spoken words yes, is a fruit yes. of the spirit we can eat and enjoy and ingest yes. and be filled with. Yes. Oh. And speak life over the world. Wow. Mm. No, you know what? I actually sense like that is a prophetic declaration. That's a prophetic declaration, meaning like that's what's happening in some of our lives. Mm. Like there is a rottenness or there is a spoiling of something inside of our spirit. And it actually comes from the words we speak. We're speaking that over our life, our circumstance, our situation. And it's not like we're not talking about the secret. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. that that old book, The Secret of like that you oh, manifest. Right. Oh, right. Like you manifest into the world, you know, what you want. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's not like, like, um, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not about your own selfish desire or ambition. It's about aligning our lives to the kingdom of God and to Christ likeness. Mm. That's, it's not like what I want in the world. That's all I'm going to speak, but it is aligning to the truth of the word of God being the capital T truth. Yes. I might be in a difficult situation. It's okay to be honest about oh, that. Oh, for sure. We're not talking about pretending like you're not in pain or oh, pretending. Yeah. that or spiritualizing so- everything and being, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it is aligning our words to the truth and the promise of the word of God. What is true? What is true about who God says you are? What is true about who God says I am? Am I speaking those things? Because I think some of us are living the result of malnourishment, eating rotten fruit, that there's Mm. a poison. We're, We're eating poison and we're wondering why our circumstance looks the way it does. Why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking all of this negative, critical? Why is everything good happening for everybody else or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. But part Mm -hmm. of it is we're eating the fruit of our words. We're eating the fruit of what we're speaking out and it matters. It has power and we have to believe it. And the thing is, even if you don't believe this, 
it doesn't matter. It it's true. That's You're right. living you, the results. You of are. It. You might say there's no such thing as gravity. When you actually are living. It's true. It's like, scientific. It happens. it happens. So if you're this is real. If you're feeding all day on how afraid Arm. you are yeah. if you're feeding all day on all the conflict in social media and politics if you're feeding all day on and this is your this is your fruit then that is what's going to come out that's what's going to come out mm. oh my goodness i know pretty powerful yeah it is it's yeah. a, that's a powerful yeah that's a powerful thing what we speak i remember uh, not that long ago like uh, last year around this time the lord sort of convicted me about how I was speaking and just to be careful about the words and even the choice of words that I used. And I remember the Lord talked to me about saying, um, I can't wait. I can't wait for, because I would say it a hundred times a day about everything because I'm so excited about everything. (laughs) And, but I remember just the Lord saying, you can't wait is actually speaking something that's not true. No, you can wait. You're just excited about. So say you're excited about. Like be accurate mm. in your words. Be careful how you say what you say and be accurate and true about what you say. Like um we cuz we say even expressions. I can't believe da 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 da. da. And I just felt like the Lord said, "No, that's not true. You can believe it. You do believe it." Oh, yeah, I do. I believe oh, this. So good. Do you know what I mean? So I think tuning our ear to what comes out of our mouth, even just phrases or like, you know what I mean? Just things that we just say without thinking about it. I think we have to be mindful of those things because we are speaking something that is actually bringing life or bringing death. And there's no neutral. It's one or the other right? That's right. I, I believe that. Do you? I do too. There's no middle think, ground. I don't think it's like there's a neutral no. plane that's not either. No. It's life. It's truth or it's not. No, exactly. It's a kingdom of God or it's a kingdom of darkness. It's life. It's death. That's it. It's rotten fruit. It's good fruit. And so I think that's a challenge for each of us that yeah. when you're in a circumstance, like we were saying, it's not, it's not talking about being honest or having someone you confide with or feel like you have to walk through a situation. No, no we're not no, saying no, no. that. No, not but at we're, all. We're not talking all. about yeah. when but it, what you speak about that situation matters. Exactly. Right? You can yeah. be honest about the situation and then you can speak all kinds of death over that situation. Yeah. Or you can speak exactly. about a real painful situation and then you can speak all kinds of death over a person. Mm-hmm. Or you can speak all kinds of death over yourself. Or you yeah. can speak all kinds of death over your spouse. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We Easily. Do, we do that. Easily. Like we do that. Now I can be honest about what's happening yeah. in my marriage. Or I can speak death. I can speak death over my spouse. And guess what? I'm going to eat the fruit of that. Yeah. I know. We think that sounds so harsh when we're like death. But that's actually what those words are. Like the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of death. Anything that has to do with the kingdom well, that's, of darkness. That's his, that's his goal. That's his goal. Rob, still destroy. Right? But we, we do like, oh, well, it's not that bad. No, it's actually part. If it's part of that kingdom, the Partaking end result is, in is rotten death. Fruit. <laughs> rotten fruit. Death, darkness. If it's part of God, it's part of life. Yeah. And it's part of eternal yeah. Yeah. goodness yeah. and faithfulness. So anyway let's it's pretty powerful what a challenge to think you're going to eat its fruit what's so interesting too is that fruit that's rotten is fruit that's dead it's dying yeah it's fruit like it when it's good and ripe it's life and alive and living Mm. grown you know what i mean grown off a tree ready alive when it's rotting it's dying yeah 
so true. We're eating death. Think of how profound this whole talk is. Like <laughs> that alone, then what we're ingesting and what comes out. And then that seeds in our life too. And then the we become that tree. Like all of it, oh like we will goodness. bear fruit. It talks about that in the, in the New Testament too, bearing fruit. Oh you goodness. can test a tree by its fruit. You can test. Wow. So honestly... I, I think this is its whole thing. This is pretty profound. Yeah, it's very, very so, profound. No, when you're about, really I think powerful. when we're about to talk now, we have to picture. So I, what do we do though? So okay, before we move on to the next part of the devotion, what do we do? What do we do with if this? we're eating fruit of death? What do, if we have or we are? What yeah. do we do? Well, first we repent. Yes. We have to repent and confess. We have to repent and confess. Because actually we are rotten. <laughs> like bad fruit naturally comes from us. We yeah. we actually crave rotten. We, we do. It's true. Like sadly, as I know it sounds really, I know, but we actually crave it yeah. because we are rotten. It really is. There's no goodness in us. Like it we've talked feeds, about. It feeds something in us. Yeah. That. And we've ingested naturally. We're born with rottenness. So we keep ingesting and we crave what's rotten. Yeah. And it's like when you've had rotten, like when you think of people that have maybe had a certain type of, just say you've had rotten fruit your whole life. You never were able to have good fruit. Let's just think of that. You actually have developed a taste for that. That's all you think is what the fruit tastes like. Then you would have something that actually is ripe and full. You would not even believe the difference. But if that's what you've been used to, so that's actually our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is comfortable with rotten. And so we have to confess and repent so God can give us a taste for righteousness, a taste for goodness. And then when we start to taste of that, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh my goodness, we could keep going through all these scriptures. Keep going, it's so good. (laughs) But all of a sudden we start to taste of the goodness of God and then our appetite changes. And as our appetites change, then we start to see things, but that is only a supernatural work. But if we don't go to God with that and repent and ask for God to do that, we will always crave rotten and we will then continually sow and eat rotten. Right. And then that's what it will be. Right. But we right. need the goodness of God. Oh my gosh. I remember this little story that um, was in a book about heaven and hell that um, C.S. Lewis wrote. And he just shared this example of how, uh, you know, somebody went, I think I shared it before, but somebody went to the the diner and was eating rotten eggs and said, uh, excuse me, uh, these eggs are rotten. And he was using this as an analogy of what it's like to live in hell, what it's like to live in death and hell. And the person said to them, oh, don't worry, you'll get used to it. Hmm. And that's exactly what you're talking about. We crave, every time we indulge in rotten fruit, we actually, our appetite for rotten fruit continues to grow, mm. whatever we indulge in. And when we mm. come before the Lord and we repent and we confess and we begin to eat the fruit of righteousness and we begin to eat the fruit that is good and the fruit of the spirit, then again, our appetite for that increases because it is what we're indulging in. Mm. Whatever we indulge in, our appetite grows for. And so it does matter it matters and so if you've noticed and you're frustrated even with just the cycling of what is coming out of your mouth negativity and criticism and jealousy and envy and things that are just weighing you down if you notice it if you can see it and you're like I don't want this that's all you need to do God has already made provision for you he's already the fruit's all available to you you don't have to earn it you don't even you don't even have to like you don't have to do anything to make up for all the rotten fruit you've eaten. You just have to receive 
forgiveness. You have to repent, confess, and receive the goodness of God, the fruit of the spirit. You have to walk in it. You have to Mm. choose it. Mm. You have to pick it and walk in it, but you don't have to do anything to earn it. It's grace. It's his grace alone, but it's so true. We are rotten. That was really profound, Rhonda. It's so profound. profound. And even just think it, like even as you're talking, isn't it interesting that Satan tempted Eve with an apple? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yes. And with that apple was like the fruit. fruit. And it was a tree of life. God said, like, it really was the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And the enemy tempted yeah. with a piece of fruit. Yeah. It's just interesting yeah. when you actually start to unpack all the stories and all the scriptural parallels to fruit. Yeah. And tasting and partaking. And yes. yes. Anyway. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So our character, huh. Rachel, yeah, yeah. that we're unpacking today, she um, ate some bad fruit some bad fruit in her words and actually as she spoke out these words of death over herself even in regards to her own desire and even as she looked to Jacob Mm. instead of to God Mm. God was the one that was able to fulfill this desire of her heart and this request not Jacob Mm. but she looked to him as her fulfillment she got exactly what she spoke in her life which is intense and crazy but okay this plays into sort of the next thing that popped out at me and like Rachel was one of the children of Israel so she was under this umbrella in the old testament of God's chosen people um, who served God loved God but we see all through Rachel's life this really interesting dynamic of um, her going back to idol worship Mm -hmm. and again in our day and age we don't necessarily i mean some some religions do but we don't necessarily have idols that are physical things that we make and we pray to or worship but we definitely have objects that are created that we worship Mm -hmm. that we spend time (laughs) thinking about feeding on you know and and worshiping and so we see rachel even though she is she has all of God's blessing and all of God's provision available to her. It's like she keeps going back to worldly ways Mm -hmm. of getting what she wants. Like I almost thought of it like a backup plan. Mm -hmm. You know how if you really want something, like you want it with all your heart. In this case, she wanted to have a baby and God wasn't coming through for her. It's almost like I would imagine that these idols would have been the idols of fertility. I would imagine Mm. she's like covering herself. Well, I'm going to do everything possible to make this happen where God just needed her to trust him. He had a plan for her and he had a provision for her, but yet we find her a couple of times throughout her life, sneaking idols, hiding idols, which was an abomination to God and Mm. to God's people to the point of like quite serious consequences in her life and her story, but she keeps going back to this. Mm. And so I think that's interesting even for us, as I was thinking about like, what kinds of things are things we keep going back to? Like God has a provision for us. He has, whether it is this fruit of life for us, that's our provision. But we keep going back to Mm. something that's not from him Mm -hmm. in order to get what we think we need or want. Yeah. I think an example that comes to my mind would be how we deal with stress or how we deal with, um, you know, being overwhelmed. I think often we choose numbing activities, things that just can sort of give us relief from what we're feeling or what we don't want to feel 
instead of actually going to the one who's provided the peace we need for why we're carrying the stress in the first place. Like he actually has the antidote, the, the, the fruit or the provision for what we need, but yet we choose to like numb ourselves with whatever, Mm -hmm. Netflix, Mm -hmm. food, alcohol, something that will distract us or take our minds off Mm -hmm. what we're going through. Like, I think that would be a, a neat example of something we just go back to yet there is a provision right there in front of us available, but we don't, wow. we don't choose it. What would be, what would be one for you? Like, does anything come to mind about things you're like, you know, is there, but like sometimes you choose a different way. Yeah. I think exactly numbing, like interesting enough for the Enneagram, like yeah. going back to the Enneagram, yeah. the threes go to a nine. Mm-hmm. And because we're not emotionally in touch, I would find myself, and I know we're talking about sin and not Enneagram, but it is interesting, even in our in our personalities, things that we will default to. And it's good to be aware of that. And for me, it would be a numbing thing for sure of like Netflix or watching movies or just tuning out so I don't have to deal with emotions. That would be my thing. Or being busy with work. Like busying myself in any way possible to deal, not deal with emotional stuff. Instead of bringing my emotions to God, like allowing God to uncover those things. It's not that I even sometimes recognize that I do that, but I will busy myself with work or the opposite, like watch a show for, and just tune out. So I don't have to actually deal with emotional pain. Mm. And the thing is, none of that fixes that. Right. None of that emotional pain will go away. Right. None of those things that I'm sensing, it is only by coming to Christ and allowing him to uncover what that is in my life and why I'm struggling with that to get to the bottom of it that I'm actually free but we can easily choose what's easy the path of least resistance Hmm. or what we can control or Hmm. what we can kind of kind of avoid pain we actually avoid pain well that's myself I'm sure I speak about many everybody but we, we don't have a natural drawing to be uncomfortable to be in pain so we will avoid it at all costs but the thing is we're delaying and we're adding more pain versus when we go to Christ he's the one that can actually take it yeah he can take it heal it heal it we just offload it somewhere or yeah but we're still carrying the burden yeah oh that's so good I know in John Tyson's book Beautiful Resistance he says something like every time we go to something else for what we need from God we actually prolong our deliverance Mm. we prolong our liberation Oh, oh so man, I, I love that. And it's so true. I think you hit another one as you were talking about performance. Mm-hmm. I think actually performance, achievement and performance is another idol. Mm-hmm. And it's an idol oh, about something sure. else. It's, a, it's about something else, not just avoiding pain, but it's an idol that we seek for approval. We seek for value. We seek for worth. Like we get our identity of worthiness from those things. For sure. It's an easy one because it does feed our ego and it feeds our pride. And I think we can like, even just in our world and culture, I think most of us can relate to entering into some sort of performance and it doesn't even have to be work related. We perform as a mom. We perform as a friend. We perform as we want to be seen as whatever it is in whatever relationship or whatever sort of Mm -hmm. place we want to be seen as competent and worthy and valuable. And we use these worldly idol worship. 
we use these worldly ways to try to achieve that and try to attain that where God actually says, I have already approved of you Mm. through my son. I've already given you worth and value because you're fearfully and wonderfully made in my image. I've already provided this for you, yet we choose to grab onto an idol and try to get it in another way. So I think that's another interesting example. That is a powerful example. Now, how about for you? Like when you're facing this, how do you, how do you kind of deal with it all? Yeah, no, I think, I think some of those would be, would Mm -hmm. be some of mine, like Mm -hmm. looking for my worth Mm -hmm. in other things, Mm -hmm. um, in things other than just remaining in my identity in Christ and who I am in Christ, who he's called me to be. Um, yeah. And then, and then I think similarly, like just, I can definitely, I can definitely like, I think sleeping is another one. I think sleeping is like an avoidance for me. It's a way it's an escape. Mm -hmm. So I'm not one to like nap or like sleep a lot, but again, avoiding my, even my morning time with the Lord sleeping in a little bit later. I think part of that, there is a bit of an avoidance of needing to go to the root of what I need to go to. Um, so, and I just realized like I need, like I need in order to walk in the fullness of what God's provided for me, I need that realignment every day, Mm -hmm. you know, that time with the Lord. And so anytime I neglect that or anytime I lay that down, I'm missing this provision that God has for me every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's in all of those things. It's in our disciplines and our practices and, and getting caught up in busyness and getting caught up in distractions and Mm -hmm. getting caught up in the wrong things or even the fruit, the Mm -hmm. fruit of what, what we speak, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were, what we were just talking about. So all of those things can present itself as, um, you know, it can present itself in a way that that's what we need when really God is trying to say, no, that won't satisfy, but Mm -hmm. I do have the provision you need. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly going like the water that you'll never thirst again. Yeah. You know what? We keep drinking the stuff that makes you more thirsty. Yeah. But it's like, no, you need the pure water. Yeah. Yeah. Water of life. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So anyway, so good. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing that you see in Rachel's life and even Mm. how she chose to put, I think she idolized Jacob. Mm. over God Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. which is, which also brought about a lot of frustration for her. There was jealousy between her and her sister. There was so much, I think that she brought on in her life because again, she didn't trust God Mm -hmm. with the desires of her heart. So yeah, as we continue in the story, the Lord does eventually open up her womb and gives her a chosen child in her son, Joseph. She has Mm -hmm. Joseph who goes on to be the Joseph of the coat of many colors and all mm-hmm. that goodness, he begins to kind of set the stage for the the people of God and the children of Israel as they grew in numbers and all of that goodness. And she gets 14 beautiful years with him, 14 to 16. It says that um, she has with him and she gets pregnant again. She, uh, and which I would just imagine with that deep of a desire that she had, it just must have been such a time of elation for her. And then that's where this scripture that we just read comes into play. The time of her labor is hard and fast. And she must have been afraid. I would imagine that she would. It's probably extremely fearful to have labor come on that hard and that fast. And she probably could feel life draining from her body. I mean, people, uh, women died in childbirth a lot in that mm-hmm. time. And even in our world today where there's not a lot of, uh, appropriate medical care, people die. Labor is a, 
very, it's a, there's a high death rate of labor and delivery for both infants and mother. So I'm sure she could feel as she was going through this process, life draining from her body. So her midwife says to her, do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. You have another son as the baby's coming out. And so she must see him. Hopefully it gets to hold him. She names him Ben Onai, which translates into me into uh, the Ben part means son and the Onai part means sorrow or vigor. So that's really interesting. Mm. So if you look at the Hebrew meaning, it means either of those words. It means son of sorrow or son of vigor. And so as I was thinking about this, I was most of the um, um, theologians say that she named him son of sorrow. And if you know, you've ever heard this in a teaching or a Bible story, that's probably what what you've heard. That's mostly what I've heard. She names him son of sorrow. But as you dig a little bit deeper and, and I just found this so fascinating as I as I was studying it, this birth does take her life. Um, but it is a double blessing for her because she got to not just have one son, but she got to have two sons. And with how deep this desire was for her, there are some theologians that actually say, I can't imagine that she would name her son. She, the namesake she would give her, and she knew this was going to be her last son, son of sorrow, that she would name him something that would remind him every day that his life cost uh, her life, hmm. you know, he, it, it, they just said, I would be really surprised. And then what happens is that, um, Jacob, her husband actually changes his name to Benjamin, which means son of strength or son of my right hand. And so they actually believe that he doesn't change the, their son's name from son of sorrow to son of strength, but actually he honors her in naming the son because she named him son of vigor, which means strength. He honors her by saying, I'm going to call him son of strength, son of my right hand. And he, it literally says it means like a cane or a crutch. Like Benjamin is going to be Jacob's crutch, his right hand, his strength Hmm. because of the loss and the morning that he's going to be wow, in for his favorite, beautiful. for his favorite wife. So as I was like wow. thinking this through, okay, so it is, it's so, so beautiful. Like all of these meanings of these names. But what I was thinking is that how powerful is it that in our pain, we often take on a name. Hmm. And again, there's wow. even an argument in this story. Was his name son of sorrow or was his name son of vigor? Did she name him son of vigor because he survived a horrible, terrible birth and labor? He, he survived. He was strong and he was able to survive. And she named him son of vigor. Or did she call him son of sorrow? Did she put that over his life? Meaning because she ended up losing her life. Again, scholars say in light of her character, in light of her relationship with Jacob and in light of his love for her, they can't imagine that she would have named him son of sorrow, but actually named him son of vigor, which Jacob respectfully then called him son of my right hand. You're going to be my right hand. You're going to be my strength. You're going to be my crutch because now I don't have my favorite wife. Now I don't have, I've lost this love of my life that all. And it says that Jacob grieved his whole life for her. He, he was still sad 
his entire life. He, he was in mourning with everything that happened with Joseph, with everything that happened throughout all of that story. Jacob mourned all of those years, all of those years for this loss. He loved her so, so much. So yeah, isn't that a fascinating thing? And the names we take on in pain. That is, that is profound. Right? Yeah. 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 And I think it also is a reminder of the life and the death that we're talking about, the power of these words in that there's always going to be a name in our pain and the enemy is going to put a name of death over us in our pain. And God always wants to put a name of life over us in our pain. And so even as we think about our own lives and our own stories and what we're walking maybe today or what we've walked through in our past or what we will walk in the future, which name are you going to grab hold of? Are you going to grab hold of the name of death over your life, the name that the enemy wants to identify you with in your pain and suffering? Or are you going to identify with a name of life that comes from God who calls you into strength in the midst of your pain. And again, I think it comes down to a choice of which voice we hear and which voice we're going to believe. Both voices are going to come, but which one are we going to believe? Which one are we going to speak? Which one are we going to live out? Lori, that is so powerful. Just from that portion of scripture, that is a powerful truth. And you realize even in that circumstance, like you do need the eyes of faith to reframe things because she could have looked at it in that, looking at that, the sorrow of like my life is gone or my baby was strong and made it. Like there was a, the framework was so different. The same thing happened. She lost her life. The baby survived and was strong, but the perspective And that's what I think when we walk through, there is that key element of thanksgiving, the key element of having a thankful heart, of being willing to praise God in the midst of a storm, praise God with our words. And that is what we're kind of talking to, the words of life. As we take on, as life comes, we can take on a spirit of life or death. And it really, there is something about thanksgiving. Like when it says, even through the new, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind, but present your request to God with thanksgiving and the peace of God will transcend. Like there is something about thanksgiving and being able to see circumstances to be like, God, I'm thankful. Yeah, you may, the circumstance may be terrible, but I'm thankful that you're teaching me faith. You're teaching me trust that you're with me. I'm thankful for your presence, thankful for your peace. We can speak those words. We're not denying how difficult things can be, but we can speak what were reframed situations in light of faith. And that is what is so powerful. Mm-hmm. The circumstance did not change for Jacob. Rachel died. Devastating. But every time he looked at Benjamin, he did not say sorrow, death. He was like, this is my strength. This is a gift. This is a legacy. This is an inheritance. So we can look and reframe every situation because that's the God of what we serve that gives us the eyes of faith. Yeah. How crazy is it to think too, if we fast forward in the story, because later in the story, uh, you know, they, they sell Joseph into the brothers sell Joseph into slavery, but years and years later in the midst of a famine, they end up going to Egypt to get food. And, um, Joseph asks for his brother, Benjamin to, for them to bring him because Benjamin stays with the father, of course, because he was his crutch. He was his right hand. He was his cane. He was his strength. Mm. And, um, the brothers say, oh no, we can't, we 
can't bring him. Like he is our father's strength. He is Hmm. the one our father relies on. And if anything ever happened to him, our father would die. Our father would not survive more loss. Like it's so interesting when you understand even the context of his name, what Jacob called him, how Jacob relied on him and even still throughout his whole life, right? So it just brings the meaning of that to such a deeper, deeper place. But I do love how um, this plays into what we just talked about, about the fruit of life too, Mm. because it's true. And in every difficult situation, in every dark, uh, every darkness that comes, every trial that comes to our life, there is an identity, there is a name that wants to get thrust Mm. upon us. You're weak, you're, you know, you, you can't do it. You, um, you're sick, you're, you know, you're broken, you're an offender, you know, you, what all of these things, all of these spaces where pain labels us and names us and wants to keep us there, wants to block us from moving forward from that place where God literally says, no, in the midst of that struggle, you have joy Mm. in the midst of this, of this struggle, your joy will be my strength. No, in the midst of this struggle, you are strong Mm. in the midst of this. You are vigorous. You can Mm -hmm. do this, you know, and he begins to speak life over us. Gratitude, be thankful in all circumstances. That's something that can we can speak over and that's an identity we can attach to. Again, we have a choice every time. Mm-hmm. It's it, it comes back to that Deuteronomy 30. How many times this year we talked about the choose ye this day life or death. We get to choose and it's a choice of the will. It isn't just a feeling. It's we actually choose in our will life or death. Mm. Yes, it's harder to choose life in a difficult situation. I'm sure in this situation, when Jacob is losing his favorite wife and and is in mourning for the rest of his life, that is just part of his life and story. But he chooses to, to name Benjamin, son of my right hand, son of strength, mm. in the midst of that brokenness, mm-hmm. in the midst of that brokenness. And honestly, he could have blamed Benjamin for Rachel's death and called him son of sorrow. He could have, he Mm -hmm. could have blamed him and held that over his head Mm -hmm. for his entire life. He Mm -hmm. could have, and he would have told that story and everyone would have been like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But he chose not to, Mm -hmm. he chose not to, he chose words of life and he chose to give Benjamin a different name. And Benjamin went on to be the part of the tribe of the Benjamites. Like he, this is a very, very significant part in the whole large story of what God wanted to unpack and unfold. But I believe that for us too, right? It matters because it does matter. It's a part of a larger story that's at play for us. Mm -hmm. So we need to choose life, choose promise, choose provision, choose what God has Mm -hmm. given us in the midst of our Mm -hmm. struggles and wrestles and circumstance. That is so powerful. Wow. Really powerful today from that portion of scripture. And this is a beautiful part of what God's doing, what he does through his word of the truths that he brings alive. So thank you for joining us for a devotional podcast. That was really fun. We want to do this a bit more often to kind of unpack how God is speaking to us, what we're studying in the scripture. And today, as you are, you know, as you're walking away from this podcast, wherever you may be and how you've listened, may you just be reminded that, you know, what you're speaking, you're 
that fruit, picture the fruit and what you want your appetite to be. And the beautiful thing is God has given us his word and we can fulfill our appetite fully. Yeah. And actually it will never, we'll never be hungry or thirsty. It tells us that because all that we need to fully satisfy and nourish us is in the word of God and the spirit of God will walk you through faithfully. And so dive into your word, get on a reading plan. I know Lori gave us some great, gave you some great tips of how she's been walking through. Find like going through the Bible. You can find like there's a Bible project app. There's amazing apps out there to help you, but get into the word of God. I want to encourage some of you that maybe have just been following devotionals that's wonderful, but there is something about just reading scripture and then studying scripture. So take a season, give yourself a challenge of whether it's getting up or finding that designated time of going through a a reading plan and then diving into scripture. And it's not a matter of going through the Bible fast. And if you are on a reading plan, don't feel pressured on those that every single day you have to keep up. Find one that if you have to stop dive in be it's about what god is showing you sometimes i've opened my bible plan and i've gotten through two verses of four chapters i was supposed to read and i just stayed there and that's what it's meant to be to allow god to just speak to your heart so i want we would just want to encourage you it's so good dive into the word yeah and that's really good yeah it's really incredible and so may you eat beautiful fruit yeah. and may you crave may the spirit help you to just crave it yeah, and have an appetite for it. Fruit. Oh, the good man, fruit. That's so good. And God's word also is full of names for you. Like oh, God has yes. given you a name and you're going to find the mm-hmm. name that he has given you, the identity that he's given you in the midst of the circumstance that you're Amen. in today Amen. from his word. That's mm-hmm. the only place you're going to find it. You're not going to find it on social media. You're not going to find it in an inspirational quote. You're not going to find it in the next book that you're going to read. You're going to find it in God's word. He's already named you. So find your name. What Mm -hmm. is your name in this situation that you're in? Find it in God's word. He's going to, he's going to tell you, he's going to tell you exactly what your name is and then grab hold of it because it's a name of life and it's a name of identity and it's going to set you up for what God has in your future. It's a part of something larger that is unfolding in your life. It's not just for today. So find your name, find your name in your story right now. What is your name? And let go of any names of death. Let go of any names that are not from God. Let go of any names that are trying to grab hold of you and grab hold of your identity in the midst of your circumstance today. Grab hold on to the name of life that God speaks over you powerful. And if you're having difficulty in letting go, find another Christian that you feel safe with, that you actually is a mentor or someone that you look up to and break those names off you. You can say, I break. Yes. I break over my life. Shame, the name of shame. I break over my life, the name of guilt Yes, or perfectionism or striving or not being enough. Break those names off and embrace, like you said, Lord, so powerfully what God is bringing to your life, that I embrace that God has made me a daughter of peace or a man of peace, that God has made me uh, like a child of God, that I am, whatever it may be, just start to just pull from the word and walk in that. And uh, God's going to give you that name. I love that. Every circumstance, God wants to rename you, rebrand you, seal you, set you apart and so walk in that destiny. Yeah, because because in your circumstance today, God has complete confidence in you. That's exactly it. And he has called you and named you and crowned you as children of his own, of the king. So God bless you today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you.